What's up, people? Um, welcome to episode four of uh, GTM Leadership. I have to admit, when I was preparing for this, I was very seriously tempted to begin this episode with something like previously on GTM Leadership. But you know, yeah, I don't have the voice for that. But anyway, so we are continuing with this uh, rather lengthy discussion on uh, on leadership. And last time we were looking at one of the possible reasons why many of us do not launch out into leadership, why many of us don't really get to lifting the vision of people around us to higher sites, why many of us just simply don't bother with trying to raise the performance uh, of people around us to a higher standard, why many of us never get round to building the personality of perhaps even very close people to us, whether it's because they are tied to us by bonds of blood or by bonds of relation or by bonds of things that we're doing in common with them, where we never really get around to building their personality beyond its normal limitations. And we're saying that one reason, possible reason for that is just simply the whole um, scourge or the whole pandemic of indifference or just simply not caring enough. We simply just don't have that fire in our bellies. We don't have that concern. And unfortunately, what ends up happening is that the people without formation, the people without good ideas, are the ones who end up being the passionate ones, are the ones who end up being loudest and, in a manner of speaking, carrying the day. A second possible reason why we stay away from this challenge of leadership or apostolate is just the fear of paying the price. Because really when you think of leadership and when you think of apostolate, when you think of leaders and when you think of apostles, I mean those guys suffered. Right? I mean, you think of the, the, the 12 apostles. Eh? Today we were celebrating the feast day of two of them, Simon and Jude. Um, when you think about even political leaders or leaders in a, in a business, I mean, you have to be the one to make the hard calls. You have to be the one to suffer for people. You're the one who, in a manner of speaking, has to die for them. And even if it's not that dramatic, like having your head chopped off or your bowels, you know, kind of winched out of you, just taking on other people's problems and trying to figure out solutions for them is itself a price and a very heavy price. You know, to be worried, to be concerned about how other people are developing and are growing in body and mind and soul, it takes a toll. And it takes a toll the more people you're able to, to take care of, right? And this is something that any man who has a calling to be a father has discovered, I would dare say, the hard way. You know, that the more children you have, yes, the more fulfilling it is, but the, the more of a burden it is. You know, certainly you, you do grow out of your comfort zone, that's for sure. But it is, you know, objectively speaking, it is not easy. And this is precisely one possible second reason why we all shy away from leadership and why we all shy away from apostolate. Because the price is just too much. I suppose a number of you have already watched the um, series. Yeah, you could call it the series precisely, you know, called The Last Dance of Michael Jordan. So in that documentary, he, he says the following. Winning has a price. And leadership has a price. 
So I pulled people along when they didn't want to be pulled. I challenged people when they didn't want to be challenged. And I earned that right because my teammates who came after me, they didn't have to endure the things that I endured. Once you join the team, you live in a certain standard that I play the game at and I wasn't going to take anything less. Now, if that means I had to go in and get in your ass a little bit, then I did that. Meaning that being a leader and setting standards for people is difficult because people resist. You know, and consistency is hard, not just for us, but for them as well. And they want to be left alone and, you know, and, and it's difficult. But if we really are leaders, we are going not just against our own grain, but we're going against their grain. We're not just pushing ourselves, we're pushing them also. That's the only way we're going to build their personality beyond its normal limitations. Because if we stop at their limitations, we've done zero work. We have to push them beyond that. And that's an uphill task. Right? But the price is, is something pretty heavy. This is something else that one of my favorite philosophers from the States also writes. Eh? He says, what holds us back? Fear of paying the price. And what's the price? The answer is simple. The price is everything. A hundred percent. A worse martyrdom than the quick noose or steak. You know, being short or being disemboweled or having your head chopped off is very, it's, it's kind of swift and ends, you know, very quickly. But day after week, after month, after year, following up one friend, three friends, 30 friends, you know, your kids as they're growing up, your wife as she's, you know, becoming white-haired, your fellows in the team, and day after week, after month, that is, it's kind of like a drawn-out kind of martyrdom. This is precisely what he's saying, you know, that... This fear, this price of paying 100% is worse than the quick noose or steak. But we have to begin. And the question is, where do we begin really? If, if I am afflicted by indifference, if I have kind of shied away from paying the price, from signing that check, where can I begin? And I would encourage you that really the first place to begin is with the head. By changing your philosophy, by at least coming mentally to terms with the fact that I cannot stand by and do nothing. I cannot stand by and do nothing for my girlfriend, for my family, for my neighbors, for my teammates, for my gym partners, for my drinking buddies, for my nyamachoma crowd, for my movie friends, for my colleagues in the office, for my classmates in school. I can't just stand back and do nothing. And I need to convince myself of that intellectually, mentally. I'm borrowing here from the words of Malcolm X. Once you change your philosophy, you change your thought pattern. Philosophy, the mind, the thinking. And this is precisely what formation like these, talks like these, and others that many of you have been attending, and books that... Uh, many of you guys have been reading another podcasts and things. This is precisely what they're aimed at. That you have to begin by changing the the way you think by by fixing some ideas in your cocoa. Once you change your philosophy, Malcolm X says, you change your thought pattern. Once you change your thought pattern, you change your attitude. Once you change your attitude, it changes your behavior pattern, and then you go into some action. But as long as you've got a sit-down philosophy, 
you'll have a sit-down thought pattern. And as long as you think that old sit-down thought, you'll be in some kind of sit-down action. So we really need to begin by changing our philosophy, by looking for formation, by looking for good ideas. Whether it's talks as I subscribe to, podcasts that I follow, um, mentors that I speak to, books that I have consulted on and I'm reading, but I have to begin there. And I would dare say that the most important philosophy or the most important thought that comes at the top of the pile is what? That the most important things in life are not things. The most important things in life are people. People. Those people in your life. Because of the places you hang out and the things that you do and the courses you subscribe to and the job that you're working. Those people who you meet there, in church, on the pitch, in the bar, in the, whatever. Those people are the most important things in life. Not things. Not houses and PS. Okay, well, maybe PS is important, eh? but, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying, right? The most important things in life are not things. The most important things in life are people. And this is something that Margaret Ogola herself would, would say. You know, she would say that one is mature, that you become a man, for us who are listening to this, you become a man when, when you realize that you can offend or please other people and that realization makes you act in consequence. One is mature when they realize they can offend or please others and act in consequence. James Stenson, another author from the States, says something similar. He writes, an adult is not someone who can take care of himself. Meaning somebody who is completely oblivious to everybody else, just simply takes care of me. I'm doing what I need to do. I'm ticking my boxes, as we were saying in you know, that first episode, speaking about the elder brother or the prodigal son, you know. An adult is not someone who can take care of himself. And we could even tweak that slightly and say, you know, that a man is not one who can take care of himself. Going back to the words of James Tenson, an adult is not someone who can take care of himself. Plants can do that. An adult is one who can take care of others. And you think about it really... That's another definition for who a leader is. That's another definition of who an apostle is. One who takes care of others. Right? As a man, as a father, as a big bro, as a friend, as whatever, a, a boyfriend. Who takes care of others. Plants can even take care of themselves. That's not something to celebrate. An adult is one who can take care of others. Another popular website for men um, called The Art of Manliness, the author, uh, Brett McKay, writes again something similar. He writes, True men seek not only for justice in the events that intimately affect them, but for the fair treatment of all, even strangers. They confront injustice whenever and wherever it appears. I'm not just concerned about me and mine. I'm interested about other people. 
you know, those other Kenyans, those other friends in church or wherever it is, I'm concerned about them. And we can't just sit by and, you know, spectate, you know, with popcorn in our, in our mouth. We have to do something. We have to enter the, the battlefield. Because if not, we have lost. Automatically. Those famous words you remember of Edmund Burke, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. If I could put it a bit more bluntly, the only reason why evil is thriving in the world right now is because you're doing nothing about it. You are just taking care of yourself like a plant. That's the problem. Leonardo da Vinci said the same thing. He who does not punish evil commands it to be done. Meaning, if we just remain on the sidelines, you Gaibana, we are shooting ourselves in the foot. You cannot say, I have decided not to take any decision. I have decided not to get involved. You know, precisely by deciding not to get involved, you have decided to lose. You know, if you have a football team, like in Champions League, that refuses to get onto the pitch, that's deciding to, or choosing a walkover. We have to get onto the pitch. We don't have a choice, really. We, we have to get involved. But it's not a, a sad kind of involvement, like, you know, dragging our feet and we're like, oh man, shucks, I, there's no freedom, now I have to do this, and, you know, all these crude up people, and na 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 na, you know. Let's remember that we have formation on our side, we have truth and goodness and beauty on our side, we are trying to discover it, and we're trying to show it to the world. And this goodness and truth and beauty, you know, attracts people of its own accord. Regardless of you and your talents and your inclinations and your personality, truth, goodness, and beauty always tend to spread. They tend to infect other people. These are the words that I came across a while back from um, Pope Francis. You know, he was saying, goodness always tends to spread. Every authentic experience of truth and goodness seeks by its very nature to grow within us. And any person who has experienced a profound liberation becomes more sensitive to the needs of others. As it expands, goodness takes root and develops. If we wish to lead a dignified and fulfilling life, we have to reach out to others and seek their good. We have to. Right? Another religious leader, if you want to call him that, uh, uh, MLK Jr., Martin Luther King Jr., you know, said something similar but in fewer words. He would say, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. We don't have the option of you know, kind of uh, abstaining from the vote. Kind of like, no, 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 I won't get involved with. We don't have that option. We don't have that luxury. 
another American politician and civil rights activist called Robert Kennedy, the, the brother of the famous JFK, again was echoing the very same thought. Every time, he said, every time we turn our heads the other way, when we see the law flouted, when we tolerate what we know to be wrong, when we close our eyes and ears to the corrupt because we are too busy or too frightened, when we fail to speak up and speak out, we strike a blow against freedom and decency and justice. Meaning, if we do not get involved, if we refuse to try and lift other people's visions, if we refuse to raise other men's performances, if we refuse to build their personality beyond its normal limitation because we are too frightened or too busy, then we strike a blow against freedom and decency and justice, meaning we make the world worse. And not just like the world out there, you know, Somalia or wherever it is, no. Your home, your church, your school, your office, your gym, your bar, your neighborhood, your environment. We, we, we are all, in that sense, indivisibly united. It's, we don't have a choice, people, you know. All humanity, Mahatma Gandhi would say, all humanity is one undivided and indivisible family. And each one of us is responsible for the misdeeds of all the others. I cannot detach myself from the wickedest soul. This is what he'd say. The world is a dangerous place, not because of those who do evil, but because of those who look on and do nothing. Albert Einstein. So again, let's continue with this examination of conscience and see how can I grow in leadership honestly where I am. Let me not think of people far away of relieving poverty where. Let me think of just the people I meet every single day. The guys I'm always texting on WhatsApp. The guys I'm always sharing memes and videos with. The guys I'm with in school or in the office. Let's start there with your family, with your friends, those close guys. Let's start there and see, can I begin to be a leader here? Can I begin to be an apostle here? Can I begin to lift, to raise, to build over here? To be continued. <laughs>